Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to talk to you today about a message that's very close to my heart, a message that my wife and I, my family, have had to live through, have had the privilege of walking through, with the grace of God and the power of his word. Now, I want to give you, I want to set the mood, I want to set the atmosphere here, because I need to take us on a journey to get to the place I want to be at the end of this message. I'm going to be teaching on an extremely familiar passage of scripture, and the danger of that is that sometimes those of us that have been in this thing for very long, you hear a scripture and go, I know that scripture, I heard it taught so many times. Please resist the temptation to do that, okay? Because where we're going is not where you think, okay? Now, this is what I need you to understand and realize. If you, in your walk with God, have not yet come to the realization that God is a God of relationships, and you probably are reflecting that lack of reality in your relationships. God loves us so much. God loves relationships. He calls us into relationships. He puts specific people in our lives for specific seasons. He brings people into our lives for us to invest in them in specific seasons. All for this purpose, that everything that we do would glorify God and lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, here's where I want to go. God loves us so much and loves relationships so much that he has given us all throughout his word principle after principle after principle of how to get the pressure off of our lives so that we are free to pursue those relationships. How many of you know when you have external pressure coming against you, whether it's your health that's suffering, whether it's financial pressure, whatever type of pressure it is, you start to become inward. You start to, you start to become, where your motive is self-preservation. When you're in that motive of self-preservation, it is very difficult for God to use you to reach out to somebody else and touch their lives. Why? Because all you can think about is, I don't, God, you want me to do what? You want me to go spend time with them? You want me to love them? You want me to drive them to the doctor? You want me to pay their, their bills? You want, I got enough of my own problems. Am I right? When you're in that mode, when you're, in that, when you're under that kind of pressure, it is extremely difficult for you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's extremely difficult for you to really have your relationships to thrive. It's hard to love. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to give grace to people. Why? Because you're so occupied with the pressure that's on your life. And God has always, from day one, been about giving us the tools to avoid that kind of pressure. And when you and I cooperate with the principles of God, when you and I walk in the knowledge of the word of God, the pressure gets relieved. And when the pressure gets relieved, your relationships start to thrive. You have more ability to forgive. You have more patience with one another. You make room for one another's flaws like it tells us in the scriptures. You have the patience. You have the wherewithal. You sense the grace of God in your life to be able to be a blessing to people, and that's how we spread God's love. Amen. Amen. So, so would you would you follow me here today? I'm going to take us on a little bit of a journey uh, to get us to this place. And remember, 
Keep reminding yourself the goal is for relationships. The goal is to become free in our minds, free in our souls, so that our spirit can come forth unhindered and reach out to other people's lives. Will you do that today? Okay. Here's the scripture we're going to start with. Philippians 4.19. Every one of us in this room could probably quote it from heart. Let's just say this together. Ready? One, two, three. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches, where? In glory by Christ Jesus. Very familiar verse of scripture. Now, I'm going to throw some questions at you. They are for you. They're to prompt you to think about some things. Is this statement true? Yes. Well, then let me ask you this question. If this statement is true, we know it is, when does the supply show up? When? When? Why? Because there's Christians all over the world that are quoting this scripture, but they're not seeing the provision. They're not seeing the manifestation. They're not seeing the riches of his glory by Christ Jesus get extended into their lives. So somebody's missing it someplace. We're missing it somewhere. Now, if this scripture, which is true, and it is true, yes? yes. Come on, guys, is it true? Yes. If this were to come to pass in all of our lives, would you not be free to go meet the needs of somebody else? Absolutely. Would there be less pressure on your marriage? Yes. Would there be less pressure on your family? Yes. Would parents enjoy their kids more? They wouldn't see them as a burden. They would see them as a blessing. Why? Because when you're in pressure, you start thinking, man, if I didn't have so many kids, I wouldn't have to work so hard. I wouldn't have to go spend so much money in the grocery store. And they'll sit there like, oh, I can't believe you said that. You know you've thought the same things. Let's talk about need. Need is what causes nations to go to war against nation. Millions have died through the centuries because one group of people had something that another group needed enough for them to spill blood to get it. That's the desperation that comes on mankind because of need. Need causes people to leave their homes and loved ones and spend 8 to 12 hours a day sometimes doing things they hate. Why? Because there's need. Need left unsupplied is a cause of stress and anxiety in relationships. You and I need to know how to operate in God's economy in order to relieve the stress that is caused by the lack of provision. Now, let me tell you something, okay? I could preach on this stuff for weeks. Why? I've had to live this. I believe that this subject is so close to my heart because my wife and I, September of 1990, had to file for bankruptcy. Now, when you have a wife as the head of your house, if you have a wife and four children ranging in age from 10 years old to 3 years old, that's pressure. And unless you've been in that situation, you cannot imagine the fear and the sense of defeat that you live with when you know that no matter what you do in your own strength, you cannot supply their needs. I understood that most families do not remain intact after going through that kind of a circumstance. I understood very clearly that my family, my wife, my children, we're counting on my ability to count on God, to lean on him, to trust in him, to have faith in him, so that he could supply all of our needs. And if you are head of a household, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, you know exactly the pressure that I'm talking about. I understood that couples split over this kind of pressure. They usually start finger pointing. They start blaming each other for the mess that they're in. I thank God that my wife never did that 
in our relationship, no matter how tough it got. We learned that if we cooperated with God by placing our trust and our faith in him, he would meet our needs, and he did. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is a substance. I want you to go like this. Make, everybody in here make believe you're Italian today. Go ahead. Faith is a substance. Get substance. I don't mean this. I mean substance. It's tangible. You know when you got it. You know when you hit the mark. You know when you got in that realm where something that exists in the spirit, you now have gotten your faith anchored into that thing because you're trusting God, you're speaking his word, and you have the ability now to pull that thing from the realm of the spirit into the realm of the natural. You know what I'm talking about? Faith brings into reality the thing that the curse is wanting to withhold from you. So what is that all about, Pastor? What do you mean curse? What about this curse thing? I know the majority of Christians are walking on this earth have no clue that there's a curse on this world. You think because you went to the beach one morning and you saw the sunrise and how gorgeous and how beautiful, look at the the sky, the beautiful colors and the waves and the seagulls and oh, oh, oh. And you got so caught up in that scenario you don't realize that this world is a cesspool compared to what the original creation was. But you've gotten used to it and you tolerate it and you think this is gorgeous. And yeah, to an extent it is. And pretty much this is all we know. But the reality is this. There is a curse on this planet that came on this planet because of sin. And when that curse came on this planet, it caused something to manifest that never was before, and that is need. Mankind knew nothing of need until sin came into this world. Now, God is merciful. God is gracious. And yeah, there were consequences. But God in his mercy and his love was not going to leave us to suffer from the curse. And so he introduced into mankind the force that we call faith. And when you and I operate in faith, it breaks the curse off of your life, breaks the curse off of your marriage, breaks the curse off of your health, your finances. God never intended us to live with that kind of pressure in this life. I know there's people going to get angry when they watch this. They're going to get mad. Then stay, stay sick, stay poor. Stay under that pressure. Keep going from marriage to divorce to marriage to divorce. Instead of hooking up with the principles of God and seeing the effects of that curse get broken off of your life. There are Christians by the millions that are walking around miserable on this planet. They have no witness. Nobody wants to talk to them. Why? They say to themselves, my God, your life is a stinking mess. Why do I want to hear anything you got to say? And you know it's true. Faith neutralizes the curse for those who believe and who have come into a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Again, Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, I want, I want to ask that question. When? When? When's it going to happen? When? Let me ask you this question. Was God aware of the needs of mankind? Yes. Was God aware of, of Adam's needs? Come on, guys. Was he? Was he aware of Abraham's needs? Was he aware of Noah's needs? Was was Jesus aware of Simon Peter's needs? Is he aware of your needs? So does the provision automatically show up? No. Why? Because it's not magic. It requires cooperation. Did any one of these individuals we talked about, did they get their needs just met just out of clear blue sky? No. It's not magic. Draw your attention to the screen. I got an illustration here for you. 
Babe, did you say you were going to make dinner? I couldn't remember. <sighs> what? I just wish you'd take some initiative and cook your own dinner for once. I've been at work too, you know. And what, now I get to come home and pack the dishwasher and then unpack the dishwasher and cook dinner and put the washing on. And you know what? I can't continue to live like this because hey, it's hey, not hey, me. Hey, hey, relax. It's going to be all right. How? Here, I'll just show you. Okay, I've been doing this since we moved in. See this basket thing? I don't know how it happens, if it's the house or what, but any dirty clothes you put in this basket, somehow the next day they're just clean, folded and in a perfect pile on your bed. You're not serious. I couldn't believe it at first either, but it just keeps happening. That's why I didn't tell you, I didn't want to jinx it. You are insane. Try it, you'll see. Unless it's only chosen me. See, I don't know. I can't do this. No, wait. There's other things too. Plates, cutlery, pizza boxes, dirty tissues, anything you leave on this coffee table just vanishes overnight. No, she wouldn't have left me. This is what I think happened. I heard her get up in the middle of the night to get a drink or something. She must have fallen onto the magic coffee table and just vanished. Are you insane? No, he's not insane. I've got the same coffee table at home. Everybody say this, it's not magic. It's not magic. Yet most Christians are living like this. Most, most Christians, most people say they believe God, they trust God, they think it's just going to happen. You know, the, God's going to send the Keebler elves to your house at night, and just behind the scenes, things are going to happen. It doesn't work that way. There's no magic wand. And even, I don't want to get off on this side journey, although I'm going to have to teach this again soon. Listen to me. Understand this. When you and I pray, we don't receive provision. We receive instruction. Go think about it. Every person that had a need in the Bible, when they prayed, it didn't, God didn't send a bag of money on their front porch. He gave them instruction. You're going to see that clear in a moment. It's not magic. Abram needed a son. Somebody had to fulfill God's promise after him. Listen to Genesis chapter 15. Now I'm going to ask you this question again. When does the provision show up? After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I love this. I am your great reward. What God was saying to him in original language, you work for me now. I'll take care of you. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside. Him, God, took him, Abram, outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. There's the promise. Look at verse 6. I'm going to ask you the question again before we read verse 6. When does the provision show up? Abram believed the Lord, and he accredited it to him as righteousness. Hey, what triggered, what triggered the manifestation? What triggers the provision? What triggers the activation? Is when you begin to believe God and what he said, and listen, and you begin to display action that corresponds with what you claim you believe. Anybody could say, yeah, I trust God, I trust God, I trust God, I trust God. Well, where's the evidence of you trusting God? Where's the evidence? And I said, please don't take this as a judgmental thing. We're talking objectively here. 
If you claim you trust in God, then where is the evidence? Is there any evidence in your life? Is there any actions that you're taking that would show that person trusts God? That person trusts God. Now, years ago, at this point now, 22 years ago, if I would have said to people, I, I believe God, I believe I'm supposed to start a church, I believe I'm supposed to start a church, but never took any steps of action, this place wouldn't exist. Did, there, would be, there, was, there, was no, there would be no evidence. Where's the evidence? The evidence was this. We sold everything we had to go to Bible school. So people could say, wait a second, there's evidence there. There's ev- he must really believe. For him to sell his business, for him to sell his furniture, for him to take his kids and move 1,400 miles away, what does that speak? Evidence of what? Faith. Now, now, I'm not bragging about me. I'm the only one I know here. I know my life. I could use it as an illustration. What evidence do you have in your life that you're trusting God? You listening to me? Faith in God is what suspends the curse that came on the earth. Without faith, nothing happens. Our action declares what we really believe. Again, answer this question for me. Did God know that Abram needed a son? Of course he did. But just God knowing did not provide the son, did he? No. No. Abram had to take some action. Abram had to actively declare, not only with his mouth, but with the actions of his life, I trust this God, most high, that he is going to keep his word. He has revealed to me, himself to me as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient, self-sufficient one. I trust him that he's going to provide this son. And guess what? Now, it's faith in God that makes a difference. Are you ready for the teaching now? Okay. I want to bring you to a place in 1 Kings where there's an amazing story of two people that had need. Both had need and both had faith in God. You ready? Follow me close here. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. Don't let that language. It says this, Elijah, who came from Gilead, said to Ahab, Ahab was a very wicked, evil king. And the nation that he was king over was suffering because of his evil. And so God speaks to the prophet and sends him to address this evil king. And here's the message. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, this is Elijah speaking, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kerith, which flows into the Jordan. Obviously the people who are going to read this would have known exactly where that intersection was, knew exactly what they were talking about. So now watch this now. Elijah is living in the same land that he has just declared this judgment over. So he's either going to have to use his faith or he's going to suffer the same results as everyone else in that place of judgment. Yes or no? Okay. So now we're going to see how's Elijah, because it wouldn't be right for the prophet of God who's speaking on their obedience to God to have to suffer the same uh, results of the judgment that God just spoke over that nation. So now we're going to see how Elijah conducts himself. You ready? All right. So, he says, before the word of the Lord comes unto them, before, from the Lord from whom I stand, not going to rain, it's not going to rain. And then God says to him in verse 3, get away from, come on, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kerith, which flows into the Jordan. Yes? And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. 
Come on, come on, come on. Feed you there. So, so here, watch this, please, because I got to move quick here. Here is the place of lack. Here is the place of deficiency. Here is the place of suffering. But it's not God's will for Elijah to stay in that place. So Elijah receives what from God? Instruction. To do what? Get yourself from here and get yourself Watch this now. Listen to this, because this is good. Here can even be the place where you actually hear the promise, but the provision could never be here. The provision's got to be there. So you hear the promise in the midst of your lack. You'll hear the promise in the midst of your deficiency. You'll hear the promise in the midst of your suffering, but it's unreasonable for you to stay there and go, well, God knows where I am. He knows what I need. He knows... What does one thing have to do with the other? Of course God knows your need. Of course God knows what provision you, you're in need of. But it never comes at the place here. It always is revealed there. Why? Because it's going to take, watch this, it's going to take your obedience to go from here to get to there. You catching this? So did God know that Elijah had needs? Yes. Did the water and the meat just show up? No. Why? Because it's not magic. It's not magic. Verse 5. Elijah had to take action to show that he believed God. He had to go to the place called there. Verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into Jordan. And verse 6, here comes the manifestation of the promise that was made in the place of lack, now going to manifest in the place of there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Wonderful, right? Great. Oh, place of provision now. Hallelujah, God, you have met my needs. I'm doing good. Everything's fine. I eat bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the night. Got plenty of water to drink. There's only one problem. Life keeps happening. Needs keep showing up. The enemy doesn't rest. He's constantly throwing challenges at you. The curse is constantly active, trying to withhold from you that which God has graciously wanted to provide for you. So now what happens? The circumstance changes. Verse 7. And it happened that after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So, so what happened now? Elijah went from the place called here, here, the provision, excuse me, lack, suffering, deficiency, goes to the place called there. Now watch. God's not content yet. Why? Because he wants to take you from faith to faith, from glory to glory. You listening to me? And that's a curse that's come on this country, the curse of comfort, how it's affected the church. Where years ago, we knew what it was like to believe God. We knew what it was like to stand in faith. We knew what it was like to quote the scriptures. We knew what it was like to live that way. But then we got comfortable. And that culture has slipped away. And dear God, in Jesus' name, bring it back, Father. Bring it back. So now, the place that was here through obedience, they, he went and, be, and went to the place called there. But now all of a sudden, the place called there now became here. And God's not settled. Excuse me. God doesn't want you settling here. Why? Because he's got a greater there. But you're not going to get there until, watch this now, until here becomes uncomfortable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So once again, Elijah's in need. And once again, God gives him instructions to follow. Action that demonstrates faith. 
Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Aren't you glad that the word of the Lord comes to us? Oh, my God. And here's the instruction. Arise, get from this there. I got another there. And go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, modern-day Lebanon, and dwell there. See, watch this now. I have commanded a widow, where? There, to do what? Provide for you. Wow. Look at, look at the levels of faith. Look at the levels of challenge. Look at the levels of growth. Before God used a raven, now God wants to use a widow. Why? Because God wants the widow blessed. And so he now gives her the opportunity to get involved. Are you following me here? So, verse 10. So he arose. Here's his action step. Here's his demonstration of faith. Here's his evidence of faith. He got up and left. And he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. Now, when you hear the word widow, I don't know about you, but usually I automatically think about a person who's already in need. Are you listening? She's a person already in need. And so here's what's happening. Here's the scenario. Put yourself there. He's coming up to the gate of the city. He peeks inside, and he sees a widow. She's probably bent over and says she's gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And I picture this little Dixie cup, a little little paper paper cup. Bring me a cup of water that I may drink. Now, there's a lot that takes place here. And, and the prophet must have saw something in her body language. She doesn't answer him. There's no conversation going on yet. She's thinking, okay, this, this must be the guy that the Lord spoke to me about. He told me he was sending somebody. He told me that I should be obedient to provide for this person. This must be the one. So she's going to obey. This is tough. Why? There's no rain in the land. If there's no rain in the land, there's no what? Water. And she's thinking, I got that little Dixie cup in the house. But God said to provide this man's need. All right, it's going to be tough because I need every little drop of water I got. But I'll obey. And so she starts. And as soon as he sees that she's being obedient, he throws the rest of the challenge out. As she was going to get it, he called her and said, Hey, while you're on your way to get the water, get me a little piece of bread. And she loses it. She loses it. So she said, as the Lord your God, all of a sudden now it's the Lord his God. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little bit of oil in the jar. And here's my plan. Before you showed up, I was just going to gather a couple of sticks. I'll go in, prepare for myself this little pancake that we may eat it and die. What a wonderful five-year plan. But watch this now. This is all the faith she's got. He's challenging her. God, through the prophet, is challenging her. Okay, so that you're willing to be obedient with the water. But you don't just need water. You need flour and you need oil. So, he ups the ante. While you're on your way there, honey, stop in the kitchen and grab me a piece of bread. Now she's got to, she has got to deal with the argument that is going on in her mind, am I going to throw this guy out of the house or should I be obedient? Watch this. And share the most precious thing that I have because this is it. She said it out of her own mouth. 
I'm take a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, I'm gonna make a pancake with it, and that's it. Me and my son are gonna eat this, and then we're dead. This is precious to her. And that is usually what God is gonna ask you to release, that which is precious to you. And until this went from here to here, this stayed almost empty, and this stayed almost empty. Because here is the fact, okay? Until you release what's in your hand, the law of increase cannot be activated. All you will be left with is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. But that little bit of flour and a little bit of oil is not enough to carry you through the rest of this life. She said, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, watch this, look at the first three words. Look at the first three, three words. Do not fear. What, 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 what is that all about? What is the very first emotion that you experience when God says to you, I want you to write out a check for $5,000 and give it to that family that's, that, that's losing their house? Your stomach cramps up, right? And you start experiencing what? When God says to you I, want you to, I want you to go to church and I want you to go sign up, I want you to start volunteering, I want you to start serving, I want you to teach the children, what's the first emotion you experience? Fear. And if you don't deal with that, you'll live like this the rest of your life. You gotta deal with that fear. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. In other words, go, go walk out the faith that you have right now. But make a small cake from it first. first. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Thank God she listened. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. Watch this now. She didn't do according to the word in her mind. Because her mind is telling you, are you crazy? You can't give away that flour. You can't give away that oil. That's all you got. She went according to the word of who? Elijah. And Elijah is walking according to the word of who? The Lord. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household. Now she got a household. Oh, we haven't heard about the household up until this point. All we know about is her and her son. And there's a reason for this. Because when you decide to start taking steps of faith to release that thing which is so precious to you, now your sphere of blessing increases. Are you getting this? Yep. Now all of a sudden, it's not just a blessing for her and her son. Now the blessing, because she's gone from one level of faith to the next level of faith, it just increased. So now watch, the pressure on her entire household has lifted. Why? She's got servants, she's got employees. They're all looking at her for where the next meal's gonna come from. That's pressure. Could you imagine the bickering? Could you imagine the infighting? Could you imagine the tension and the stress that was over this household? Why? Everybody's whispering, hey, the old lady, all she's got is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I don't know what we're gonna do tomorrow. And because she took the step of faith, and because she allowed God to take her from here, the place of just barely having enough, to the place of abundance, the pressure got lifted off the entire household. Are you catching this? You notice this? 
Something had to leave her hands before the need could be filled. I'm going to ask you again. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Is it going to happen when you're like this? What are you looking at? This is my flower. Don't get your eyes in that jar of oil. This is for me and my kid. Is that when it's going to happen? Or is it going to happen when, Father, I don't know how you're going to do it. In the natural, I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. But you know what? I'm not God. You are. The, The provision I need is not here on the earth. The provision I need is in glory. And it's going to come to me through who? Christ Jesus. So here, Father, I consecrate these things. That which was precious to me which I believe that could not live without, here it is. Here it is. That's the answer to the question, when? When you start believing God, when you start demonstrating evidence in your life that you're trusting God by your actions, not just your words, that's when the provision gets released. Are you with me? Giving is an act of faith. God's grace is extended to us continuously, but there's one thing that needs to be released from earth, before grace can be released from heaven, and that is faith. Let me ask you this question. How did you get born again? Oh, it's just the grace of God. Really? Well, then how come every person on the earth is not saved? Is there not something that has to be released from us before that grace that is hovering over us? Remember Genesis chapter one? The Spirit of God hovered over that chaos until God said, let there be light, and then what happened? Bam, the grace of God that was hovering Spirit of grace hovering, hovering. Spirit of grace is hovering on your life. Was hovering on your life before you got born again. The spirit of grace is what drew you. But you had to release faith. You had to say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. What happened? That cloud of grace that was hovering over your life released a downpour on you. And you went from darkness to light. You listening to me? Every day, she had to trust God. Every day, you're going to have to learn how to trust God. Not just one time. Well, you know, you know Pastor, I trusted God 20 years ago. And what have you been doing all this time? Every day, she had to get up in the morning. She had to fight the thoughts. She had to fight the thoughts, just like you and me. She had to fight the thoughts. Oh, you go there this morning. There's not any flour in that jar. Yeah, it worked yesterday. worked last week. worked last, last, last year. But you know... No, no oil, no. She, every day she had to go by faith. By faith, get out of bed, put her slippers on, go into the kitchen. Father, I trust you. There's no expiration date, Father, on your miracles. I trust you. Every day the flour was there, every day the oil was there. Why, why isn't every day? Because every day needs are coming towards you. Every day lack is trying to show up at your house. Every day the enemy is trying to challenge you. Every day attacks are gonna come. Every day opportunities are gonna come for you to not believe God and for you to distrust him. And every day, you've got to rally yourself up and say, I trust you. I trust you. I'm not, I'm not, Father, I don't even know if I'm saved this morning, but you know what? I trust in your word. I trust in your character. And the flower shows up. Amen? I want to wrap this up real quick. Now, I need you to listen closely. What is our goal again? To relieve stress, to relieve pressure. I want to remind you, Did pressure and stress and tension get relieved? Did the pressure valve get opened up over that widow's household when the flour and the oil started showing up? Yes or no? 
Did it not relieve the stress? Did it not relieve the pressure? Did she go, watch this, oh my God, this is so good, watch this. Did she go from not just worrying about her and her son to now including her whole household? Yes. Giving is like planting seeds. It is God that gives great increase, but the seed has to get planted. The miracle of increase is activated when the seeds are what? Planted. Listen, everybody on earth falls into one of two categories. You were either heading towards a famine because of what you did not plant, or you are heading towards a harvest because of what you did plant. God can't control that. You control that. You control that. I control that. He has given us the honor and the privilege of cooperating with him, but it's up to you. He is not going to reach into your pocket, rip a seed out of there, and plant it in the ground. You have to do it. I have to do it. Listen to these truths here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting in verse 6, the Apostle Paul writing to this church at Corinth. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will give a generous crop. Will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart. You've got to decide what you're going to plant. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't, don't do like some people do, and I know nobody in this room has ever done anything like this. I better put something in the envelope because the guy next to me is looking at me. If I, you know, and, and he's filling out his envelope. If I don't fill out an envelope... Oh, the pastor saw me. He saw, he saw I don't have an envelope on my hand. What is that? That's, that's giving reluctantly. God wants you to be cheerful. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be overjoyed. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that widow was ever again reluctant about sharing anything she had? No. Did she have an attitude, a miserable attitude like she had when Elijah first showed up? What do you want? I'm just get a couple of sticks. I'm going to go in the house and make a pancake and me and my son are going to die. I'll guarantee you she had joy after that. And that's how God wants us to be. There's no greater evidence of trusting God than for you to walk around in joy, not in misery. God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Watch this now. For you to say, Pastor, you don't understand, I have nothing to give. You just made God out to be a liar. Because he said he's the one who provides seed to sow and bread to eat. Now, watch this now. God doesn't act like a dictator or a tyrant. A dictator or tyrant would say, it's all seed, it all belongs to me. He's very reasonable. He understands that we have families. He understands that we have needs. And so everything you have, no matter how big or how small, contains those two categories. It's either seed to plant or bread to eat. Now, I've seen this happen in the church. I've been in this thing for 34 years now. I've seen it happen in church. I've seen, I could think of a particular family that to try to gain favor with the pastor and with the leadership counted everything in their life as seed. And so their kids went without things. Their kids didn't have the sneakers they needed. Their kids couldn't go and do it. They couldn't buy anything. They couldn't do it. Why? Got to give everything to church. Give everything to church. What did they do? They took everything that was bread and seed and counted it as seed with the wrong motives of the heart. And you want to know something? Those children do not serve God today. You have the responsibility to designate. This is bread to eat. This is seed to sow. 
Don't eat the seed and don't try to plant the bread. Are you following me here? Very simple principles. But if we follow these principles, that God will release the provision he promised in Philippians 4.19. And then you'll have the pressure taken off of your family, the pressure taken off of your life. Your kids are not going to look at you like, I'm never going to set foot in church again the rest of my life. Why? Because they made life miserable for us. But by the same token, you're not going to eat everything, and so you'll constantly have a, a harvest awaiting you. It's balanced living. When you have balanced living, you know what's the first thing that is blessed? Relationships. Listen, I got to finish here. If up until this point you have not developed a lifestyle of generosity, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you've seen the principle in this thing, and you have not developed that lifestyle of giving, you're heading for a famine. You're heading for a famine. God's given us the principles. Just follow them. And you'll have bread to eat and seed to sow. In fact, you'll have so much because you'll be in that, that, that whole mechanics of increase that you're going to have enough to bless somebody else and, and take the pressure off of their lives so that you then can sit down with them and say, listen, can I talk to you about Jesus? Can I talk to you about about your life. Can I talk about your eternal destination? Nobody wants to hear that when they can't figure out how they're going to pay their bills. It's all about relationship. So, here it is. He's going to throw it at you and I'm walking off the stage. If you know that this message is talking to you and maybe one time you were a giver and for whatever reason, you stopped and you've just been living on little, little glimpses of mercy here and there. Please jump back on it before you go full-fledged into a famine. If you have never developed this lifestyle of giving, please, before you leave today, plant a seed. I'm not asking you to put your bread in there. Plant a seed. Give God something to work with. Let him show you. Let him walk you through the principles, just you and him. But you've got to activate it somehow. You've got to take some action. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.